Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on cheese plates and asking for extra crackers, waiting to open Christmas gifts sent through the mail, adding guests without asking the host, and money matters while on vacation. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about showing up early for a party. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on keeping your dinner engagements. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz. How's it going, Lizzie Post? It's good, but I bet in your house it's going a little bit like maybe we're thinking of some cake, maybe we're thinking of some activities, maybe we're thinking of some gifties. think we are. <laughs> Nisha has a birthday coming up, right? She sure does. We're at, at, at two weeks out and we've got a birthday party in about a week and a half. Oh boy. I feel like I'm hosting for the first time. It's incredibly awkward. Can you help me with some etiquette advice? I'll do the thing you always do to me. You're fine. <laughs> you, not, not only are you an etiquette author who knows all the good hosting advice, but this is a kid's birthday and it is not the first thing you've hosted since sort of pandemic life has subdued itself. And so I feel like I want to tell you, you know just what to do and it's going to be just a gaggle of kids and i think you actually have quite a lot of fun when that scenario is going on <laughs> i do and, and i was thinking about introducing myself to anisha's friends that i haven't met yet as they come to the house and mm -hmm. hi i'm mr senning you can call me dan don't don't say that to a six-year-old that'll confuse them just introduce yourself the way that you want to be talked to and that's where the stumbling begins I, uh, i'm uh, uh, <laughs> I'm tongue-tied just thinking about it. Anyway. It, it, I kind of liked your, I'm Mr. Senning, please call me Dan. I thought that is awesome. I don't know. I don't know what impact it would have on a six-year-old. I feel like Jasper at five could handle hearing something like that, but he would probably be quiet in response to it. Like, you know, it would probably be like, adults just said something. <laughs> like, but I like you doing it. Well, let's break down an introduction. Give them a little bit of relationship information. Hi, I'm Mr. Senning. I'm Anisha's dad. It's so good to meet you. You can call me Dan. Let's go. There's da -da -da the other room. Yeah. <laughs> I think that sounds like a pretty good dad script, my friend. 
Well, that is really exciting. I'm actually a little curious. Anisha's turning six years old. Did she have a lot more uh, invested in this particular party? I know you guys typically ask her a little bit about what she might like to do for her birthday, but I'm curious, was she more involved this time around? Oh, boy. Yes, was oh. she ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you're, you're anticipating the, the real thing that I've been thinking a lot about with this particular party is that I've, I've got a six-year-old co-host. Yeah. And it's both fun, but it also has me thinking in very essential terms about what do you do as a host? What are, what's the purpose of a party? It's her birthday party. It's to celebrate her. Mm-hmm. But I also want to set her up well to, to approach the event in a way that's realistic and is – also allows her to honor her guests. And the example that comes to mind right now is last night we were planning activities and she has this new face painting set that she got for Christmas and just loves it. And what a perfect time to get it out and do face paint for everybody at the party. She wants to do the face painting. I'm not (laughs) sure whether every guest at the party would want Anisha to do that face painting (laughs) on them. Well, and it's also one of those things where it could seem fun to do one or two, but if she has to do everybody at the party, her attention span on it could wane. And then mm-hmm. it's, does she feel pressured to do all the kids or is she just going to hand it off? And then, you know what I mean? Is like, does it, does it facilitate things going well or does it create complications? <laughs> yes. And she is the birthday girl. She is the guest of honor. I want to do things that are going to just make her happy and excited. I want her to share her experience with her friends. And Anisha is a force of nature. Yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> Your very tall, very verbose daughter is a force of nature. <laughs> a high energy person who just goes for it. She's high thinking too. Like it's oh, not boy. just high energy. It's like it's high energy with high thought. <laughs> like, <laughs> And she loves to plan and organize other people. Yes, <laughs> so yes, it- yes. There's a lot to navigate here, and it is it is so much fun. It is exciting. I do have some nerves about it. I also I hear the the voice and the spirit that you responded with at the start of this postscript. I I'm also positively excited. I'm not just scared. I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be so much fun. But I also am definitely feeling that that hint of nerves, that little yeah. that little questioning voice that I think is so often the the root of or the seed of a lot of the questions we get on this show. So can I ask you like almost like a little checklist of some of our kid party advice and whether you guys are leaning into it or shying away from it? Please. Okay. So number one is number of kids. We often suggest one more than the age they're turning. So if she's turning six, invite seven guests. I'm curious. How's the guest list looking? I think we're right about there. We're, we're oh, with wow. the sweet spot. We I didn't... totally thought you were going to say, no, no, we went whole class. There's like 25 kids showing up. <laughs> no, and I'm doing a little bit of a carve out. I'm taking like family cousin kids and making them kind of their own group. So like yeah, aunt, okay, uncle, gotcha, gotcha, couple gotcha, of gotcha. cousins. But no, from her class, I think we're we're right around somewhere six to eight. That mark. Okay, All gotcha. the RSVPs aren't in. We did okay. invitations together. They got distributed by Anisha. And I, I, I caught part of a conversation last night that was we got confirmation from someone who was supposed to have received a written invitation. But mom said that that written invitation had somehow not made it all the way back. <laughs> so the, the delivery method is um uh, is six year cases. old <laughs> at best. So it's not the most dependable. Okay. So next question. Do we have we thought about kid friendly food? 
We have, but I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know what the menu is. The menu is. is. Okay. Yeah. And then, sure. I know what kind of cake we're having. That's are, been are discussed. We, are, have parents been included and invited? Like, you're at the age where it's starting to be close to drop-off parties. They are invited. Yes. Okay. Parents are included. But this is a no-gifts party. Oh, oh, so this was going to be one of my next questions. Aside from activities, which you've already kind of touched upon, you decided to do a no-gifts party for a six-year-old. That's a tough thing. We did. And yeah. it, it was because this is really mostly school friends okay. that we, we, we opted to go that route. There will be uh, a friends and family get-together on the day of her birthday where we will do gift exchange. And she'll have an opportunity to do that with her cousins and her family. But gotcha. no, we opted for no for the school party. Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Okay. Well, the, I, you know, those are a lot of the check items from our list. I think you guys at least considered everything. We did our best. I tell you, it was the invitation making that had me thinking the most about Emily Post and the etiquette book and mm. the work that we did around entertaining because mm -hmm. it really felt like I was initiating someone into the world of party planning and entertaining and the process of laying out all the paper. We did origami invitations and Anish oh, wow. had so much fun with it. It was just a delight to watch. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, it'll be really fun to hear about how the birthday party went, but thanks for giving us a peek into how the planning went this time around. I'll definitely keep you posted. Well, the other thing we need to take a peek at are some of our etiquette questions for today. Should we look at some listener questions? Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Our first question is titled Cheese Plate Predicament, and I've got to say this one's got me drooling. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I was at what I would consider a very nice restaurant a couple months ago where my wife and I ordered, among other items, a cheese board. It came with a number of cheeses, caramelized onions, apple slices, apricot compote, and crackers. I asked our server for more crackers after eating them all because there had not been enough to finish the cheese, etc. Was this proper etiquette? There was only one type of cracker, and they were nothing special, which is why I felt it was okay to ask for more when they ran out. Of course, I wouldn't have done the same for any of the other items, or indeed even for the crackers if they had seemed more expensive or prominent. Maybe this is more of a question for Margaret Visser, but the incident got me thinking about the role of crackers in cheese plates and charcuterie. 
Perhaps Dan can appreciate that I like to assemble the perfect bite by making a tiny pizza with each cracker, which requires more crackers than eating the cheese and or meat alone, but not as many crackers as making tiny sandwiches. I look for I just love that so much. I look forward to hearing your takes on this as I know from previous episodes you both have enjoyed many such appetizers. Thank you, Ricardo. Ricardo, I want to eat a cheese plate right now. <laughs> this is so good. Ricardo, thank you for this question and I just want to say more crackers please. Um, yeah, yes, right? thank you. Uh right here. Um, excuse me. Excuse me. Can I get some more crackers when you get a minute? Also, like, how much do we love that Margaret Visser popped up into this one? I just, I now that we have a pen pal connection with her, I am even more excited to see our listeners referencing her within their questions. I love it. That, that she looms as large a personality in the minds of awesome etiquette listeners as she does for us personally. Ricardo is such a man after my own heart. I have yeah. found myself in exactly this situation, wishing <laughs> I had more crackers. And I will be 100% honest, I, I've lacked the fortitude. I think there have been times where I've wanted more crackers <laughs> and haven't asked. And it's one of the reasons I so appreciate the detail of this question, because it, it really, to me, it matters. The, the, the restaurant where I'm most likely to get a cheese board is Hen of the Wood. And that's yeah. a, a farm-to-table restaurant here in central Vermont that – does really nice cheese boards and they use artisanal cheeses from Vermont and the crackers they make are these homemade crackers. And I would always want more of them, but too much effort goes into that cracker for me to feel comfortable asking for more of them. So just the detail of, no, these look like box crackers to me. Like they were, they weren't particularly um, special fancy made by the restaurant probably. So I felt comfortable asking and it would be some of those little lines that would affect my my judgment thinking about it. But big picture, I think you're in pretty good shape asking for more crackers to enjoy that I was going to say, can I tease you for a little Please bit on do. those homemade I deserve gorgeous crackers? I so crackers? deserve it. Like, I mean, come on, you're at a restaurant. Ask and maybe ye shall receive. But like, it's one of those where it's okay to ask. They can always tell you just the same way they would tell you if your drink refill was a was an extra charge or something. I feel like it would be really okay to ask for a little bit extra. And if they said, you know, we actually do charge for extra crackers, they're homemade in-house, you could say, oh, that's fine. I totally understand. Or thanks for letting me know. I'll stick to just what we have on the plate and finish it up. I feel like it would just be such a non-big deal to ask and be told yes or no either way. Obviously, you need a little bit of politeness on the server to say no appropriately or to say it's an it's another charge if you'd like it. But I feel like they're in the hospitality industry that should be a part of what's expected is a nice response from them. So to not fear the moment of asking, but ask because you're you're here and you've got people who are serving you and they know whether the establishment would be pro extra crackers or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and if extra crackers are easy, they would want you to have them. They yes. would want you to ask. They would want you to enjoy the the part of the the dish that is what is really being presented, in this case, a cheese board with some yummy little extras. I know. I'm, that apricot compote was sounding so good to me right now. <laughs> I want to put some on my toast. Bigger picture, take note, all of you aspiring hosts out there, having some kind of carrier with your charcuterie or cheese board is a really good idea. And, mm-hmm. you know, put out half that box of crackers, but keep an eye on it and grab the second half of that box if it starts to run low. Mm-hmm. I find that um, little pieces of toast can work yep. nicely. Yep. I, I like to do a no-bake bread and then sort of have 
toast coming off a no bake bread as a way to to serve a board like that. But mm-hmm. there are lots of ways to do it. But definitely think about some carby carrier for all of that yummy, creamy, salty, smoky, whatever Sweet it is, goodness. Yeah, <laughs> that is the rest of the board. <laughs> Ricardo, thank you so much for this question. Thank you also for giving us a delicious little uh, insight into your your brain, because I think it thinks very much so the same way Dan's brain and my brain would think about a charcuterie board, which is, aha, if I use one cracker, I make a tiny pizza. If I use two, I make a sandwich. If I use none, I don't get the cracker. I just loved you walking us through that. I really appreciated it. Uh, please do send us more questions if, if they're anything like this, they would be a delight to answer. We really appreciate it, and we certainly hope that our answer helps you enjoy your next charcuterie board. Cheese. Over 400 varieties of tasteful, healthful cheese. Dairy products. Nature's most nearly perfect food. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Our next question is about Christmas package protocol. Hmm. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you so much for all the positivity you put out into the world. It is refreshing and uplifting. I have a question about receiving holiday gifts in the mail. When I open a package that has been sent to my home, if it contains wrapped presents, normally I would put them under the tree and wait until Christmas to open them. It seems to me that the sender had a clear intention, and I want to honor that. If I'm being honest, I prefer to wait anyway. Upon receiving the package, I would also text the sender to let them know that it arrived, thanking them and letting them know that I'm excited to open their gift on Christmas, followed by an after-Christmas thank you note. This year, a package was delivered and left in an uncovered area for several hours during a rainstorm. Oh, no. The box contained sopping, wet, wrapped presents. Not knowing what they were, I felt that I had to open them in case the items needed to be dried out. Mm -hmm. However, I felt so guilty about it. Fortunately, the gifts were undamaged. Am I too zealous in my waiting for Christmas preference? (laughs) Have I been tormenting myself with a made-up rule? Thank you for your help. Team waiting for Christmas. (laughs) Waiting for Christmas. This is totally me just giggling at the deliciousness of this. I'm not laughing at you. I love this question because as Dan knows, I can't sit in a room with a wrapped present. It doesn't even have to be for me. I just like I need to see what's inside there. How do we do a podcast together? That's what I want to (laughs) know. Because the wait is the best part. It's so delicious. It it is. Well, and the funny thing is, is I actually like it. My best friend, she always sends, uh, we exchange Christmas gifts and she always sends mine like sometime around the 15th of the month. And, and I'm really good about waiting with that one. I like bringing that one to my parents' house and opening it on Christmas Day under the thing. Some others I'll open, you know, right away, but that's one I always wait for. And I never once thought about the issue of, what if it got wet? Like, would I call? Like, my thought, cuz, my thought on this one is that with the wet presents, I might have called or reached out to the person who sent them 
and ask, hey, the presents unfortunately got soaked. Should I open them to dry stuff out? Do you think they could handle a little rain on the package? I like waiting till Christmas to open them. I might explain the dilemma to the sender to get some information. I also don't think there was anything wrong with what happened here. (laughs) A thousand percent. You agree. You agree. Couldn't agree more. My big picture, that I, I loved team waiting for Christmas. And I was thinking to myself, I want to be on that team. I'm you on team waiting on that, for Christmas. You're like half captain of that team. <laughs> I'm imagining myself, you're doing great, kid. Now get back out there and win the game. Because it's... um. You're like excited to watch your kids open all their gifts and Pooja open all her gifts and your parents open all their gifts. And then you'll do yours at the end. Dan like tries to extend the waiting as much as possible. I do. And... <laughs> I, I, I think I might like giving gifts more than getting them also. I, I enjoy it so much in that process. And I love the special nature of the day yeah. that it creates by waiting. That it becomes this f- – f- when the whole family is doing it together, when you're doing it with other people, it, 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 it makes something special about that moment when you do all get together and open the gifts together. And yeah. it doesn't have to work that way. There's no etiquette rule about it. It's just something that I very much enjoy and – when I think about it in fun terms, like team waiting for Christmas, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, like you, though, also think that there is no need to feel guilty if something takes you off that course. There's so much consideration here, so much thoughtfulness, both about communicating well, but also about what people's intent is and mm-hmm. what brings people pleasure. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any need to change or feel guilty. And at the same time, I think d- diverting from your norm in this particular case makes perfect sense. I hadn't even thought as specifically as you did about what else you might have done. I really liked your suggestion of the other option would be to call and ask the person if you wanted to to hang on to that anticipation <laughs> and, and really protect it. Well, team waiting for Christmas, we can't close this question out without giving you major kudos on your thank you notes. We were very impressed to see that in this as well. So we think you're doing an awesome job and that you're making Christmas something really special for yourself. We hope our answer helps. Mm-hmm. But how did you know? I mean, it's the very one I wanted. Eddie seemed to know what you wanted. Eddie, you knew all the time. Well, I saw you holding it in the store window. I couldn't help see you were crazy over it. And you said you didn't know how to be thoughtful. (laughs) Our next question is titled, Added Guest Accommodation. Dear Lizzie and Dan, love your podcast. It's such a delight. Last year, we hosted my family for Thanksgiving. About a week before Thanksgiving, my sister told me she had invited her friend and friend's daughter to our house for Thanksgiving. Fortunately, we were able to accommodate two extra people without any problem. My sister and I are close, and I imagine that she, knowing how much I love to include everyone, assumed it would be fine to invite extra people. Inviting people to others' houses, sometimes even without telling the host, is common practice in my family. So, additionally, in her defense, she has learned this bad habit. I think that if I said to my sister something like, I know you want to include everyone. I love that. And I feel the same way. But in the future, please check with me before inviting someone because I would really hate to be unable to accommodate a guest who had already been invited. I think she would understand and say, yes, of course. However, I think there are other members of my family who would ignore a similar request. My question is this. 
I know generally, once an invitation has been given, it would be inappropriate to take it back. Is this still the case if the invite was issued without the knowledge of the host? Or is it best to figure out a way to make it work with the extra guest? If I can squeeze extra people in, I would do it in almost every instance. But for a sit-down meal like Thanksgiving, eventually we run out of tables, chairs, and place settings. Thank you so much. Finding room for one more. This is a great question. I agree. Finding room for one more. Thank you for sending it in. I have a decision-making tree that I would want to share as an answer to this question. <laughs> but, but, but before I start to get down into the weeds on it, Lizzie, are there big picture things you're thinking of? Or did you I have a, a, a hard answer that was just a quick one that could save us from my decision-making tree? First of all, I want to start this by saying, to me, Dan, anyway, I'll, I'll go out on a limb. It seems very clear that finding room for one more is the type of person who's going to find room for one more. I like. I feel that the general nature and inclination of this person is to find room for one more, and I'm, I'm sensing that from them. But I also want to just put out there that there is sort of this, like, I almost think of it as like a block. Like, I don't know why I'm thinking like football terms here, but I'm thinking it like a block moment where exactly what they're talking about, the issue of when a guest has invited someone and then goes and checks in with the host about having made that and extended that invitation. If the host were in a position of having to say no, I think you could have that conversation. I think it could sound something like, Oh my gosh, I so wish that you had asked me first because I, I, unfortunately, we really don't have extra room or we really can't accommodate if let's say we're maybe in a space that's not our house and it's a capacity limit or something like that. There could be real reasons why a host has to take that moment and say, Oh my goodness, I am so sorry to have to do this, but unfortunately, like, that's not an invitation that, that we could have extended. I'll have to have you tell the person, unfortunately, you misunderstood and, and you can't invite them on my behalf. And I think that that if it was so hard and fast that you really couldn't accommodate someone, that that would be the case. When I start thinking about things like not enough chairs, not enough table space, a setting that maybe doesn't match all the other settings, that's where I start to think, those are things where maybe I, as the host, break out the stool from the kitchen and use that for myself. And I use the place setting that's not the same as all the rest. And it's not a position I would have loved to have been put in. But as the host, I would feel that responsibility of wanting to find the room for one more. That's pretty similar to how I was thinking about it. Yeah. L like you, I really appreciated the the big picture on this question, the acknowledgement that yeah, I know this isn't normally the way it's done, but in my family, this happens. So it's yes. not entirely unreasonable that this person did this. I can understand where it comes from and even anticipate it could happen again. And I also really appreciated the sample script that was the preventative action, the yes. way you could talk to somebody about checking in with you so that you could better accommodate that person, make better plans for them. And that's a very reasonable request to make. In fact, it's um, etiquette gold star reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're giving someone much more latitude than most hosts would, essentially not denying them the option of just inviting other people to come to the <laughs> event you're planning. 
And even the awareness that this particular family member would probably take that conversation well, but there are others who it might not land as well with or who it might not work with that mm -hmm. they would probably just continue the behavior. That all being said, I was curious about the, the particular question of what does the etiquette dictate when this happens to you? And yeah. like you, when I was thinking of the decision-making tree within the host guest dance, there was a branch in the road around the question of whether or not it was possible or not for you to accommodate that guest. And like you, I was thinking very much if the answer is yes, there's a way you could make it work. You do. You do the best you can because that's the – the best thing for the most number of people. And then you take that preventative step next time. If it was really onerous, if it was difficult on you, mm -hmm. the question of when you can't accommodate that guest to me gets etiquette delicious. And <laughs> I, I liked your sample script and I noticed that there was, this is one of those moments where I'm just I'm, I'm quite proud of myself. Cause I think I oh, might be able to contribute oh. something to a sample oh, okay, script. Okay. Okay. I wasn't totally solid on mine, so I need some I need some fill in here. So here's a stick the landing thought for that sample script. Yeah. I understand if this means you can't come. Right. That is the piece I left out. You're absolutely right. What, what you've really done is you've, you've extended an invitation to someone. They've extended an invitation that they don't have the authority or the the option of extending. Yeah. You haven't really extended that invitation to the guest. When your guest tells you I've invited someone else, you're to my way of thinking in terms of etiquette in no way obligated to accept that, to accommodate yeah. that guest. I think like you, it's the spirit of good hosting that you would make an effort. And yeah. to me, that would be the way you would proceed if you could, but I don't think you have to. And if you really can't, I think that's what you acknowledge. And then the out is that, well, you're not going to hold your guest if for whatever reason they would need to bring this other person. Maybe they've got a house guest that week or somebody's going through something. It's really important that they spend that time with them, that you also give them the option within the host guest dance of withdrawing at that point. And it's, it's, it's not a punishment. It's really giving them a dispensation, essentially saying, listen, no harm, no foul. If you can't make it, I completely understand. Because there's one thing in this that I did find kind of interesting, and that was the idea of, well, what about on on a Thanksgiving for a sit down meal like Thanksgiving. And I think there can be times when we as hosts, we're hosting in our own home and we have a vision and we don't want to, to, to kind of veer off track from that vision. Mm -hmm. And this is a place where I start to really challenge myself to balance my vision with that concept of hospitality and making people feel welcome. And, you know, m maybe it means this year isn't the year that my perfect vision gets put, you know, get, gets executed. But I, I tend to try to operate in that space of put people first. And even though you are in a position where a guest hasn't put you first, I feel like it as the host of the, in the moment, I, I, I just, I feel all those moments from childhood when I was learning lessons about my behavior and my social behavior and that like, it's, it's not right to cancel on one friend to go to a play date for another on the same day when the first friend asked you first, you know what I mean? Like I, those types of, 
guidances I feel like I'm leaning into here where I say, you know, you can have that perfect vision and you can choose to make that the thing you're going for, that Thanksgiving sit-down meal uh, with exactly the right, you know, amount of china and it's all matching and everything. And and that is beautiful and there's there's some worthwhileness to to doing that and executing it and feeling it. But knowing that there was another person or two people who were then alone on something like a Thanksgiving or who didn't have that sense of family, I've got to admit that my own meter, my own internal etiquette meter pulls me further to the side of welcoming the people and instead trying to host a a fancy or a, um, a a sort of special meal in a different way, a different time with these people if I can. I know that's not always possible. Sometimes family's only visiting for that holiday weekend or something. But I tend to try to lean in the direction of put people first when, when we're asked that question of what about a fancy or a Thanksgiving or a special meal. In many ways, for me, this is that moment of honesty when we think about principles of etiquette. And I think it's up to a host to really be honest with themselves about – that what is possible versus what I would like. And I think it's a personal decision where you draw that line. Like you, I was imagining the China and I was saying to myself, you've got a certain number of place settings and you're imagining that you're going to use Emily Post China for this event. You're going to serve everyone on. It's going to be beautiful. You never do this. You never take it out. That's the one of the visions of the China we use at our, at our, at Christmas and Thanksgiving, right? One of the visions for the event is this thing. And I think there are some parties where that would be a good enough reason that, no, this is a China party. This is a formal party. This is a party where the whole purpose of the party is to have that kind of an experience. And I think that's a reasonable reason to have. Mm -hmm. But like you, I would also remember the spirit of entertaining, particularly a Thanksgiving meal. Um, But it, it applies to all kinds of meals and all kinds of social situations and really remembering that human connection, the importance of it and centering it in your thinking and in your honest calculations about what's possible, I think is a really good idea. Finding room for one more. We hope that our answer helps and that it helps you find room for one more when appropriate or to decline politely when it isn't. Yes, everywhere you go, people talk about thoughtfulness. Well, just what does thoughtfulness mean? How does it fit into your everyday life? To discover some know-how about thoughtfulness, let's follow Jane Proctor into her home. For the Proctors are one family who have learned the art of thoughtfulness. Our next question is about a spending snag. Mm. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Happy, happy new year. Congratulations on the book's success. I hope you're getting some time for rest and rewards. I'm lucky enough to be dating the sweetest, most generous guy. We have a couple of trips coming up, and I could use some help navigating the money of it all. He makes significantly more than I do, and also prefers to treat most of the time. Yay! With two exclamation points. I would love just some general guidelines for how to talk about expenses in this situation. I don't want him to ever feel taken advantage of, but I also have to be careful and kind to myself about spending. Also, I do lots of non-money kindness, art, cooking at home, etc. But if you have more ideas for those, I'll take them. Okay, maybe this question is just bragging. Thanks so much for listening, (laughs) and thanks for the cozy and wonderful show. 
happily Jane in Philadelphia. Jane, I am so glad that you are happily living it up in Philadelphia. And this sounds like a wonderful relationship. Um, I don't think it's just bragging. It's nice to know that, that, that relationships like this are out there. And I'm giving a yay with three exclamation yeah. points right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that as you guys are developing your relationship, you're going to find the balance. And I think one of the best things you can do is check in every now and again. I think it's wonderful that you're already bringing things that you can do, things that you would want to do and are within your means to the relationship as a way to show your love and to speak your love language and things like that. But I also think checking in never hurts, especially at the beginning. You know, hey, is this working for you? Or would you, you know, like me to offer to take you to dinner every now and again? Or I just want to check in and make sure that the way we've been doing things in terms of, you know, who's treating who to what and stuff like that is is working for you and give us a chance to talk about it or open it up. I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And especially as the relationship progresses, you're trying to figure out what the different expectations and standards and MOs are for the two of you. So my vote is keep doing what you're doing and open up the conversation about it. I'm sitting here just giving thumbs up after thumbs up after <laughs> thumbs up oh, good. to the empty office that I'm in by myself right now. <laughs> I I think a check-in conversation, open, candid discussions about money and finances are going to serve are going to serve you really well, particularly in this case where you've got some questions about it. And I I love the spirit Lizzie post of I'm just checking in. I want to be sure this is working well for you. Um, a, a willingness to share, but also to listen that it's not necessarily about a problem that we're fixing or um, uh, 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 something different that we need to do or a commitment to keep doing what we're doing, but but really a check in conversation so that you know you're both on the same page and that you have an opportunity to talk about it. My thought was that that good trip buddy behavior, and mm-hmm. to me, that would be the kind of conversation you would want to have with anybody that you were planning traveling with. You would talk about itinerary, you would talk about expenses, how you're going to divvy up the shared ones, or who's going to cover what, or everybody's just going to pay their own way. But that would be something that would be advisable to talk about with anybody. And if that good trip buddy behavior is smooth... I think it's going to really help the relationship lane also stay uneventful or, or or be able to be more just about the relationship, which sounds like it's going really well. Dan, you had a really good first bullet point here, and that's to also make sure that you're showing your appreciation, that you're saying thank you, that you're recognizing the moments when you're treated to something and showing that appreciation or expressing your gratitude with sincerity. It is as simple as, wow, thank you so much. That was delightful. I mean, that's it. Like, right? Like, it's not, it's, it's not a big ask and it doesn't have to be a essay of declaration about reflection on your gratitude for the moment, but it, it really should be something that feels sincere. And to make sure that you're saying those thank yous is really good. And Dan, so much of this advice goes for friendships where there might be a really big budget difference between friends. I certainly have a friend that that has treated me to some incredible trips and experiences in the timeline of our friendship. And there was a lot of checking in going on of, oh, wow, thank you so much, you know, or like saying, I'm not sure I could afford to do that one, but I appreciate being included, you know, and, and thank you so much. And then, oh, no, 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 I'm covering it all. Don't you worry. We've got you taken care of. Okay, well, you know, let me know if there is something that I should be covering so that, I, you know, you start going back and forth a little bit. 
And I think that for so many people, it's the act and the effort of making the inquiry of doing the check-in that ends up being so meaningful or that ends up really making the expenses around the outings that you're having not even a thought, you know, just not even something you consider. It was something you were happy to do. And so I feel like those check-ins and that sincerity makes such a difference to, to these types of relationships where budget is unbalanced. It's an important point that the thank you acknowledges the generosity and the gift, but so does the check-in. Yeah. That yeah. it's explicit, it's concrete, it's recognizing what's going on, and it is certainly another way to, to honor that and to, to show that you understand it and, and appreciate it, even if it's not built around the construct of a thanks. Yeah. The other thought that I had is that oftentimes when people are hosted as house guests for a period of time, mm -hmm. something that is in some ways like a travel gift. Someone's mm -hmm. putting you yeah. up. They're essentially covering your accommodation, oftentimes covering meals and, and some in incidental expenses that come up along the way. Maybe there's rides to and from airports. Not expected, but it does happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. That oftentimes the guest is looking for an opportunity to treat the host, yes. to do something nice for them, to accommodate them in some ways. Maybe even to, to relieve them of that hosting role for just a minute for a brief period of time so that, that they can be taken out for a meal or have a meal cooked for them. Those are, I think, pretty usual gestures or pretty common gestures that people will make. And you might look for an opportunity to do something like that within the trip. That might be another topic of discussion for that check-in call. Um, and maybe it's an afternoon that you plan. Maybe it leans on some of your other talents. I like your language, Lizzie, of your love languages. But figuring out a way to bring that experience into the trip as well. That might be another way to feel good about the role that you're playing in this situation. Jane, we are so happy for you. This sounds like just a wonderful time in your life. And we certainly hope that our advice helps you to feel even better, more relaxed, more at ease so that you can enjoy all of these wonderful times with your partner. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can find us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you enjoy Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a paid subscriber to our Substack by going to emilypost.substack.com. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content, including our discussion threads and community. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already paid subscribers, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we have feedback from Scott on episode 435 and being a wedding officiant. Hello, awesome etiquette team. And thank you for yet another awesome Tuesday commute listening to the podcast. <laughs> I just recently received my second copy of the centennial edition from Bridgeside Books so that I can keep the first one, a personalized signed copy, on display in pristine condition. Oh! while being able to read and mark up the second one, a regular signed copy. I think we know Scott! I think Scott came to our Bridgeside signing and gave Sonny the, the biscuits. 
Well, hello, Scott. Thank you, Lizzie Bose, for connecting a face (laughs) to a name. Hearing the question in episode 435 about being an officiant at a wedding brought to my mind more of an anecdote rather than feedback. In October of 2021, I attended my nephew's wedding where his stepfather, we'll call him John to protect the innocent, was the (laughs) officiant. The couple had written their own vows with the aim of keeping them simple but still meaningful and to not have a long drawn out ceremony. At one point, John seemed uncharacteristically hesitant, almost lost or confused. (laughs) Later, we found out why. Before the ceremony, the photographer approached John and asked about how long things would take. Upon hearing that it would take 8 to 10 minutes once everyone was in place, the photographer said that would not do. He required at least twice that to get all the pictures he needed. Oh! So John would just have to stretch things out. That goes to show you that the fumbles (laughs) and flub-ups can come from many sources. That's so true. (laughs) <laughs> also like to express my delight at being able to attend the event at Bridgeside Books. It is that, Scott. Oh, yes. <laughs> A wonderful evening and well worth the three-hour round-trip drive from New Hampshire. Wow. Walking into the store and having the sensations and smells evoke memories of the long-gone hometown bookstore of my youth. Getting to see the two of you in person and hearing your familiar voices live and having a short chat with Lizzie before the talk. The interesting and thoughtful questions and discussion from an engaged audience, exemplifying that etiquette is a lot more than just place settings and thank you cards. And the topper, the joy of getting a mention on the following week's (laughs) podcast. Lizzie, I was happy to hear that Sonny enjoyed the treats. My great Pyrenees, Mickey Moo, loves them. (laughs) And I like that they're made by a nearby small business, Shop Local. Looking forward to many more podcasts and seeing what you come up with to commemorate episode 500 in 2024. A proud sustaining member, Scott. Scott, thank you so much for that feedback. I love I love the image of, wait a second, wait a second. The photographer needs me to extend this, so I will hesitate as I as I go through the vows and everything. That was and also just shows you where all the pressure can come from in different places, right? I, I just this is great feedback. Thank you so much, Scott. And I'm coming in with an etiquette ruling yeah. on this one. Listen what to the bride got? and groom, not the photographer. But <laughs> Worst vice is advice, not so useful late. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, thank you so much for the feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today, it's about the importance of dinner engagements. From Emily Post's 1922 edition of Etiquette. And I think calling it the importance of dinner engagements is underselling the level of importance that <laughs> yeah, Emily put on right. this. I think you're right. I think you're right. This excerpt appeared in an etiquette throwback on our Substack, and we enjoyed it so much we decided to bring it to our podcast audience as well. This reading can be found on page 187 and 188 of the 1922 edition of Etiquette. It begins, Importance of Dinner Engagements Dinner invitations must be answered immediately. Engraved or written ones by return post or those which were telephoned by telephone and at once... There's a big exclamation point at the end of that. 
Also, nothing but serious illness or death or an utterly unavoidable accident can excuse the breaking of a dinner engagement. To accept a dinner at Mrs. Nobody's and then break the obligation upon being invited to dine with the worldlies proclaims anyone capable of such rudeness an unmitigated snob whom Mrs. Worldly would be the first to cut from her visiting list if she knew of it. The rule is... Don't accept an invitation if you don't care about it. Having declined the nobody invitation in the first place, you are then free to accept Mrs. Worldly's or to stay at home. There are times, however, when engagements between very close friends or members of the family may perhaps be broken, but only if made with the special stipulation. Come to dinner with us alone Thursday if nothing better turns up. And the other answers, I'd love to, and you let me know too, if you want to do anything else. Meanwhile, if one of them is invited to something unusually tempting, there is no rudeness in telephoning her friend. Lucy has asked us to hear Galicorci on Thursday. And the other says, go, by all means, we can dine Tuesday next week, if you like, or come Sunday for supper. This privilege of intimacy can, however, be abused. An engagement, even with a member of one's family, ought never to be broken twice within a brief period, or it becomes apparent that the other's presence is more a fill-in of idle time than a longed-for pleasure. Woo! I mean, she gives it to him in this one. Like, she does, but wow. then she can't help herself. She takes it back, and then she gives it again. I know! It was like, let me state a hard and fast rule, and then tell you the sometimes when we're probably going to break it, and then remind you of when you shouldn't break it. It was it's like so great. Because the rule comes from somewhere, and it means something, and it's important, <laughs> and if you break it all the time, that fundamental principle is going to be violated even with your closest and nearest and dearest. How about the line where she just straight up calls people unmitigated snobs for doing this? I mean, she was able to get away with so much more than we are, cuz. Well, absolutely. And the, the line that had really stuck with me when I saw it in the substack was also nothing but serious illness or death or an utterly avoidable accident can excuse the breaking <laughs> of a dinner engagement. I Right? I was thinking of you and just how much difficulty yep. you had hosting dinner parties, just getting people to give you a solid answer and then stick to it. And well, no, I'm so with you. There was part of me that I fully admit. And this is the bad side of me, my friends. This is the bad side of me. It was the side that was going, boy, I kind of wish I could send that to a couple people. Like I have friends who are like, oh, if I don't feel up for it, then I don't go to a party because I'm not going to be bringing my best. And I'm like... I understand that, and at the same time, it sounds really immature to me. It sounds like you're incapable of, like, putting on a good face and just going and having a good time. And for some people, they may not be. But for other people, I'm kind of like, no, that sounds really lazy to me. It sounds like you just don't feel like going all of a sudden, and so you're trying to lean into some kind of excuse. That is me being judgmental, my friends. But I don't I, think so. I, <laughs> really? I think it no. sounds a little judgmental. I mean, I'm judging someone else's choice and behavior in the moment. Okay, fairly. <laughs> Emily comes down, though. She makes room for that attitude that you're talking about. She yeah. says, it is fine if you want to sit at home and enjoy your own company. Yep. <laughs> it is fine you for you to do whatever you want, but just don't say yes. 
Yeah. It's okay to decline. And, and the power of no, a good and effective no, if it doesn't sound like something you want to go to, just tell someone, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not available or I'm not, Friday's not going to be it or I'm, no, I, I'm not I'm coming. I'm not feeling, I'm, you know, I haven't, I haven't been feeling up to socializing lately. I'd love to, to catch you another time. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. That's easy. Uh, but it's that, that last minute ditch out of, eh, I just don't really feel like it, but I, I, I get the sense well, okay, I, I know the sense that I don't particularly like that, but I am getting a very strong sense that Emily thinks that is a, a not good excuse either, that that just, eh, you know, canceling last minute. No, 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 you don't do that to somebody. They have invited you to something nice. They've made preparations on your behalf, and to not show up would truly be a mistake. And I, I appreciate that. I do. I do. The only thing that would be worse would be – not showing up because you were going to something else you wanted to do more. I loved that. I is much like we talked about in that other question, the idea of um, you know, my mom teaching me like, "Oh, you don't just just trade off one friend because you want to go to a different friend's house and they invited you after the first friend did." That kind of a thing. I love that that type of kindergarten behavior that we learn is applied right here to to the Mrs. Nobody's invitation and the Mrs. Worldly's invitation. And again, I love Emily playing with the names in such a way, you know, <laughs> like. Absolutely. Dan, I'm so glad that you encouraged us to go for this one today. I actually, it was a lot of fun to get to discuss it like with, with you and to hear our audience's reactions to it too will be really awesome. Well, it truly was my pleasure. This is to be a guessing game on Table Manners. Betty, our hostess, is having a few of her friends to her home for a birthday party. She has been to any number of little parties like this, but this is the first time she has given a party all by herself. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Joan. I would like to salute my neighbors. A few days before Christmas, I opened the door to find a beautiful wine and cheese basket from them with a card from the dogs. (laughs) They have always been dog people and recently got two new puppies. The card was from the puppies and was an apology for barking too much as they learned how to be good neighbors. Oh my gosh, that is so cute. We had heard the dogs bark, but it wasn't annoying and didn't go on for all hours. It was such a wonderful gesture that totally touched us. It was a beautiful holiday surprise from wonderful people from the Grateful Neighbors. Oh, I just love that so much. Also, two puppies. Could you imagine? So much fun. So much fun. (laughs) Joan, thank you so much for the salute today. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something for the show and to everyone who supports us over on Substack as paid subscribers. Please connect with us. Share the show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. You can send us questions and feedback or your salute by email to awesomeetiquetteatemilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst, that's I-N-S-T. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are The Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting emilypost.substack.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. 
It helps our show's ranking, which will help more people to find awesome etiquette. And boy, do we want to grow. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.